Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's pray. Father, we do come to you now because, Lord, we need you. We need you every day of our lives, but especially, Lord, when we open the word, we need you to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you turn in your Bibles to Genesis 45, Genesis 45, verse 1. Genesis 45, verse 1. Here we go. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all the men that stood by him, and he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with them, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? But his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you, that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Okay, so, you know, when we're here in this passage here, I can't emphasize enough how important this passage is in the Bible because this is the, the passage of the great disclosure of Joseph to his brothers in this gospel according to Moses. That, I mean, when you look at the, the title of the book of Revelation, I mean, it's so important because it's a great revelation where we read in that, when we read in that book, we look, we read in the book of Revelation and we said, we had no idea. I mean, what an astounding revelation that book is when you see the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory as the Almighty God. Well, this passage that we've, is, is, what's going on here is like the great revelation that comes to the Jewish people when they see the Lord Jesus Christ as the almighty God of Israel. I mean, this passage is really the first of five key passages in the Bible that tell us what it's going to be like, what it's going to be like when the Jewish people experience this great revelation, when they come to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is the almighty God. Now, after this passage that we just read here comes the second description in the Bible of this great revelation on this subject, which is in Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, and it starts off in that chapter by saying things like, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the 
in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. Can you imagine that? <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like, whoa, he's been put down in a valley and there's bones all around him and then he's being, he's going around the bones. And it says, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and, and lo, they were very dry. You know, no chance of any marrow, bone marrow, anything. They're dry. He said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? What a question. And I, <laughs> I answered, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. You can see the, the prophet throwing his hands up there. And again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you. Notice that's future. I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and bring you up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, Lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. So this is the second uh, phase here. Then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet of an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. So in this passage, which is the second important passage about the great revelation to the Jewish people that the Lord Jesus is God, in this passage, there are two steps. There is the first step, of the uh, 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 of bringing back Israel to a living, but they have no spiritual breath in them, no spiritual breath of life. That comes in the second step when the spiritual life comes into them, when they realize that I am the Lord. That's the great revelation, when they realize that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. Then the third description of what it's going to be like when the Jewish people have this great revelation that Jesus is God is in Zechariah 12, 9. In Zechariah 12, 9, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all nations that came against Jerusalem. A little bit earlier, he said that he gathered all nations against Jerusalem. Now he's going to destroy them. And then it says, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that has bitterness for his firstborn. And the land shall mourn every family apart, the family of the house of David apart, their wives apart, the family of the house of Nathan apart, their wives apart, the family of the house of Levi apart, their wives apart, the family of Shimei apart, their wives apart, all the families that remain, every family apart, and their wives apart. So what we're told in this passage is that at the time of the great revelation to the Jewish people, that what's going to happen is that that's going to be at the time when the Lord Jesus destroys all the nations that are coming against Jerusalem to exterminate them. 
And then the fourth Bible passage, which is key to this, is the great revelation to the Jewish people, is in Matthew 23. In Matthew 23, 38, Matthew 23, 38, it says, the Lord Jesus says, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So here we're told that at the time the house of Israel is going to be desolate, about to be totally exterminated by those nations that are coming against them, that's going to be the time when the Jewish people are going to pray like they never prayed before from their heart for the Messiah to come in the name of the Lord and save them. And to their great shock, it's going to be the Lord Jesus who comes as the Messiah. That's going to be something. And then the fifth Bible passage that describes this great revelation to the Jewish people is in Romans 11, Romans 11, 15, where it says, if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? And then and that was in Romans 11, 15. But then in Romans 11, 26, Romans 11, 26, it says, and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. So what these verses in Romans 11 show us and tell us about the great, this, this great revelation to the Jewish people, what it's going to be like, it's going to be like dead coming back to life. And, and it's going to, the Jewish people are going to be delivered from this imprisoning ungodliness that will be on the two-thirds of the Jewish people who will survive that war when all the nations come, come against them. That's where they're going to be saved. So all of them will be saved that remain. So now Joseph had looked forward to this day over, for over 20 years. And his brothers had feared this day for over 20 years. And they feared this day because they thought that would, that's the worst day that could possibly happen to them because they thought that he, if that ever happened, that he would take vengeance on them because they, they sold him as a slave to Egypt. So, but Joseph looked forward to this day because in spite of what his brothers had done to him, Joseph never stopped loving his brothers. And he never stopped longing for there to be a reconciliation between him and his brothers. Now, you got, this is an astounding scene here. And of course, what we're talking about, and that's what we mentioned about the great revelation. This is all prophetic. This is all illust- illustrating the, what, what's going to happen in the future. But when you look at what's going on right there, as we saw, the brothers did not know that this was Joseph. They didn't know that Joseph was the ruler of Egypt. They only knew this Egyptian standing in front of them who was Zathnath Paneach. That's all they knew him as. And Zathnath Paneach was a pretty stern character. And he accused them of being spies. He put them in prison. He demanded that the next time they came for bread that they bring the young brother Benjamin with them. That's what he said. And this Zathnath Paneach, that's all they heard. In Genesis 42, 14, Genesis 42, 14, where it says, that is that that I spake unto you, saying, ye are spies. Hereby you shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh, except you shall go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison. 
that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together in war three days. Joseph said unto them the third day, only they didn't know it was Joseph. This do and live, for I fear God. If you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. So this is serious. And they did so. Now, now they didn't know that the passage says Joseph says to them. They didn't know that was Joseph. They didn't know, they didn't know that was their tender, loving brother, Joseph. They only knew him as the stern, accusing Zatnath Peneach, and the stern, judging Zatnath Peneach, and he was, and, and, and this tender, loving Joseph were the same person. But they didn't know that. They only knew of this one side, the Zatnath Peneach. And when they looked at him, they didn't see the other side. They didn't see the tender, loving Joseph. They only saw this side, which was the severe Zatnath Peneach. That's the way it is today with many people. When they think of God, they only see this side, the severe, judging Zatnath Peneach type. And they don't see the tender, loving Jesus, the, the, the Joseph type over here. But they're the same person. And that's the great revelation. Jesus is God. And, and, and just as the same person standing before the brothers was both the severe judging Zatnath Peneah and the loving, kind person of Joseph, so the same, same person of God is both the severe judging almighty God and the loving, kind person of Jesus. It's the same person, the same person. And that's the point of all this, this great disclosure, because there was no way, there was no way that the brothers could have known that this severe Zatnat Panea character was their kind, loving brother Joseph until Zatnat Panea disclosed it to them. And, and, and when he says in verse four here, he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. That was the, that was the great, the astounding revelation to them. They say, Zatnat Paneach is Joseph. That was the thing that hit them. And that's the same point of the great disclosure because there's no way that any person could know that the severe judging almighty God is the kind loving Jesus until the almighty God discloses that to them as he did to Paul. Into, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9.3. See, that's what happened in Acts 9.3. It was this disclosure, and he says, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined right about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice. What is that? You know, it, it's Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's Zatnapaneah, right? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus, and, and whom thou persecutest. That was the great disclosure to Paul. Who are you, God? I am Jesus. And this is the point of the whole point of the first verse in Isaiah 53. The first verse in Isaiah 53, it starts off with a surface question, a surface question of what we can see, and then it goes to a deeper question of what we cannot see. And the surface question in Isaiah 53 that starts off is, who has believed our report? Now, you know, who has believed our report? The deeper question is, 
To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The surface question is, who has believed? We can see who believed. Come to church and they say amen and they sing the hymns. Okay, <laughs> they believe. Who has believed that the Lord Jesus Christ is God? But the deeper question is, to whom has God revealed this? That the Lord Jesus Christ is Almighty God, the same person. We can't see that. We can't see that. But this is what the Lord told Peter. When Peter said in Matthew 16, 16, Matthew 16, 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When he said that, and then it says in verse 17, Matthew 16, 17, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, what, what Peter said is, you are God the Son. You are God the Son of the living Godhead. That's essentially what, he, essentially what he's saying. And the Lord told Peter that you only knew that because God the Father of the living Godhead revealed that to you. And that leaves the question, well, to whom does God choose to reveal that Jesus is God? To only the ones who God chooses? No. Because as it says in Jeremiah 29, 13, Jeremiah 29, 13, you shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. So the answer to the question is, to whom does, the, does God uh, choose to reveal that Jesus is God? It's to every person who searches for God with all of his heart. Man determines that, not God. So this was the great disclosure that the ruler of, 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 of Egypt, you know, Zatnath Paneah, was really Joseph. And when the ruler, Zatnath Paneah, revealed that to them, that he was really Joseph, Joseph asked them to come close to him, come close to him. And then Joseph emphasizes two words to them in his special message to them. And these two words are sent and life. You see that in verse 5? God sent me before God did send me before you to preserve life. And then you see that in verse seven, verse seven, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So these two words is what he has repeated twice to them, sent and life. That's the message that he was sending to his brothers. When Joseph emphasized this, that he was sent he made it very clear to them, it was not you that sent me into Egypt. They might have said, well, I thought it was us. We sold you after all as <laughs> a slave. But he said, no, no, no. It was not you. It was God. He makes that very clear in verse 8. Verse 8. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So this is how Joseph saw himself as being sent by God. And, and we can imagine that Joseph, this is a battle for Joseph. You don't just say this. You can imagine Joseph reminding himself, I've been sent here by God. It's not my brothers that sold me as slave. I've been sent here by God. I have a job to do for God who sent me. I have to report back to God uh, on how I did for in his job that he sent me to do. And this is what filled Joseph's thoughts in Egypt, that he was sent to do a job. And it's this concept of being sent. This is the whole concept behind the word Messiah or Christ. 
It means anointed, which is what was done when a person was sent. So the essential meaning behind the word Messiah or Christ is this, is this being sent. And this is how the Lord Jesus saw himself as the one who was sent when he was coming from heaven to earth. That's what he said in Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7. Psalm 40, verse 7, he says, then said I, lo, I come. Lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. That's what was in the heart of the Lord Jesus, the word of the, the word of God the Father, the will of God the Father, that he was sent by God the Father. And that's what he kept speaking about in John 5.36. John 5.36, the Father hath sent me. And John 6.57, John 6.57, the living Father hath sent me. And John 20.21, John 20.21, my Father hath sent me. See, this brings out something that's very essential, and it's a, it, it, and it brings out the essential characteristic of a preacher of the Word of God. You know, it's commonly thought that the qualifications for a preacher has to do with his natural abilities, such as his ability to speak in front of groups of people, or his education, if he has a master's in theology from some seminary which in this case I'm dead because I've never I've never I've never sat in a bible class from any bible college bible university or bible seminary the most important qualification for a preacher is whether or not he's been sent by god and this qualification is what is described in Romans 10 Romans 10:13 10, Romans 10:13 which says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? So Romans 10.15, Romans 10.15 does not say, how shall they preach unless they have natural abilities to preach, to speak, preach. And the Romans 10.15 doesn't say, it does not say, how shall they preach unless they have a seminary degree? And it doesn't say, but it doesn't say any of those things. What it does say is, how shall they preach except they be sent? Sent. Now, this sending forth from God is the qualification for a preacher. Moses had no ability to speak. He had no natural ability to speak. He said that in Exodus 4.10. Exodus 4.10, Moses said unto the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto me. I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue, as if God didn't know. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. 
Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor, Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, would like to invite you to celebrate Good Friday on Friday, March 30th at 7 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee. Enjoy an evening of an in-depth Bible teaching from Tom Cantor, followed by a communion service on Good Friday at 7 p.m. Then join Tom in the Friendship with God Fellowship Sunday, April 1st at 5.30 p.m. for a special Easter Passover message. You are also invited to a Passover Seder dinner with Tom Cantor, Saturday, April 7th. The cost of the Passover meal is only $20. Enjoy great DZ Aikens food, fellowship, and a memorable Passover Seder message from Tom Cantor. The Friendship with God Fellowship Church is located inside the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, next to the Highway 67 and the Santee Drive-In. For more information, please call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104. Or go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.